Welcome to the RVA Returners Podcast, your weekly source for all things Final Fantasy TCG. Brought to you by Ultimate Guard. Alright. We're gonna push it to the limit. <laughs> Walk along the razor's edge. Yeah. Don't look down and play, 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 but never baby. Yeah! <laughs> Fuck, man, dude, I can't get over just that last that last game that we played, man. That was a lot of lot of lot of shenanigans. Uh, yeah, pretty much mono shenanigans, dude. It was it was all shenanigans. Rice, did you you watch that last game, right? No, I went to the bathroom and got water and stuff. Okay, okay, took a nice you. little precast dumper. I respect that. Sometimes that's what you got to do. Just unload. What... Yeah. Oh, just unload. And John. That's what we're going to do here today. We are going to unload on the next episode of the RVA Returners Podcast. Boys, we're back. Guns on the hip, badges on the chest. We're back on the case for the next episode. Um, John, say hi to everybody. Hello, everybody. Excellent. You know, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. We They know who we are at this point. Do we need to introduce ourselves? Should we? Should we introduce ourselves? You know what, Chris? I think it's always helpful. Well, you know, keeps, I'm your host, Chris structure. Adams. Indeed. I'm your host, Chris Adams. On the case with me, as always, John Schreiner. But I guess because I'm just excited, right? Because we've got somebody here on the cast with us. It's long overdue. I can't believe we've gone this deep into the tank. We're on episode 85. 85. And we have yet to have this person on the cast with us. And that's Mr. Matthew Rice, the Rice Fields himself. Matt Rice, say hi to everybody. And before you do, I want to apologize for waiting so long to have you on. I, I feel like I've let you down. Ba-na-na. Hey, guys. I'm here. Finally. Yeah. I, I guess I've just never that. had anything good to talk about. I also feel like Chris has let you down. It's like, what are you going to invite me to the pod to talk about like how I placed ninth at the last Crystal Cup or something? Oh, fair enough. Well, yeah, that's true. During anything most of that, it was just like... The constant, like, look, if anybody can relate to you about just being at the last spot before it really matters, it's your boy. We were told yeah. to have you on the cast and ask you, uh, can Rice tell us how it feels to get hit by a Fusoria <laughs> off of a Golbez? I, I saw that, and it feels bad, but I also saw it coming. As soon as they played that card, I went, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Oof. Oof. Uh. Yikes! Yikes! And then, and then after the game, he's like, "Yeah, I put Fail Thanos in today," and I was like, "Oh my god! If you didn't play that card, it was over with." <laughs> Pretty much, you know. That's why Yikes. we play the game, boys. That is why we play the game. Joe, now, and I put on a show for everyone there. There you go. Well, and Mom you put and on girl. a damn good show. You put on a damn good show as always. Now we've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about, Dana. I'm actually glad you're all, you're on the cast for this, Rice, because we got uh, especially with competitive season right around the corner. This is this is an episode where the main topics are going to be something that I think every competitive player should think about, but also kind of see where we've come from, if that makes sense. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so we, and we'll get to that when the time comes, but first it's, you know, it's hot off the presses. There, there, we, we like to start our cast off. You know, we, we've had our coffee and our bullshit, but we're sitting there at the kitchen table. We, we flip open the paper and there's just so many articles, so many things to look at. I'm not going to ask John because I know to catch myself this time. <laughs> Matt Rice, do you know what we're getting ready to go over? My God, I've waited all my life for this. Chris, John, it's the news. 
right, so first up, uh, stacking his papers, getting behind the podium as always, John, go ahead and give us the Octagon State of the Union, sir. Well, Chris, uh, <clears throat> the State of the Union is good, and that's about it. We haven't uh, we haven't played an Octagon since the last podcast. So. That's true. That is very true. We, had, we actually got this one pretty up and running very quickly. Uh, it's, schedules worked out, and, uh, you know, we... I personally hate having all the gaps between casts, but you know when we want to have people on, scheduling is scheduling. So we're getting to this one really quick. So yeah, nothing you know, new on the Octagon we, home front yet. We use the best decks. We have the best decks. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody has better decks than us. We have the best players, the greatest players. Um, we we use the best players, and uh, we're just trying to you know keep Octagon great. But I will also say, um, it's the best price. It's the best price. <laughs> Because it's, it's my favorite free. price. If it's for free, it's for me. Indeed. So for those who don't know, I, I, everybody should know at this point. Wednesday night, seven p.m. Octagon open or Octagon Weekly. It's free. Um, John, you usually put out the invite on Mondays for people mm-hmm. to sign up. The shameless self plug. So, we have um, a link. I know that we've got a lot of people who are tuning into the stream and checking us out now. So we have mm-hmm. a link right on the stream to join the Discord. If for some reason you I have like dodged all of these links we've been throwing at you and you still need one. You can always reach out, but we'll attach one to, uh, to the post this week. Yeah. So there was nothing new really happening on Octagon other than the same old bullshit, but we had some new bullshit today, John. We're actually recording this right after we finished our second week of coffee and bullshit. Yeah. Chris. And what a lot of fun we had today. We sure did. We got to play uh, six different decks. So we're mm-hmm. now having a hundred percent user submitted decks. Yep. Earlier, we were just pulling them off of uh, FF decks, but I like this a lot better. So yeah, we it's a lot more interactive. Like, uh, a best of three, and afterwards, mm-hmm. we've kind of we're pulling up the deck list on stream. We were breaking them down, talking about mm-hmm. what we like, what we didn't like. We were able to actually have a couple of the people who had submitted decks uh, in mm-hmm. chat with us, interacting with us, kind of asking questions and getting our opinions on their decks. Um, and we just had fun playing some stuff that's a little bit out of our uh, our zone, our wheelhouse for sure. That's right, and. Just to kind of touch base on that again, I um just always kind of reiterate, you know, the feedback we give on the decks, none of it is ever meant to be snarky or mean-spirited. Um, if people have ideas or they have bullshit they want to throw together, you know, if that's something they, they're considering they want to play, but it's still in the very rough stages, you know, that's what that's for. So we can say, hey, you know, this didn't work, this didn't work. Well, what's the reasoning behind this? Uh, why are you playing this? Let's talk about counts. And that's kind of what we did with uh, the Fire Ice deck that I played that was Austin Arch put together. And I said, I don't like this. I don't like this. I think this is good. I don't like this. And he was in the chat and said, well, I did this because of this. Okay, cool. Well, let's build upon that. You know, like we had yeah. this very interactive feedback session, which I, I think is going to be really summons. good. <laughs> let's talk about summons. I select, I select a different well in advance. <laughs> and you took it from me. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think this is really neat. So tune in every Sunday around 10-ish. You know, 10-ish. The, reason, the reason we say 10-ish is because, you know, this is nothing. It's nothing formal. Like, we're literally sitting here at our computer, in our underwear, just bullshitting. So mm-hmm. it's it's very candid. Um, maybe not for all ages. And we're, we're just, you know, we're just dicking around for a few hours on a Sunday. So if you have any decks, um, you know, we'll always post something up for you to submit to us. Um, send us the link. Not uh, like an image of the card splayed out, a FF Dex link. F-F-F-F-F-F-F-F-F. That way we can just load it up. FFX. <laughs> <laughs> Fred fucks. Um, 
Yeah, just an FFDEX link so we can you know, just pop it right into Octagon very easily. So Now, with that being said, the biggest piece of news up is John, uh, Matt, we are, we are well into spoiler season, boy. This is my favorite time of the year. Mine too. It's the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> oh, man. Beautiful. Indeed. So we had some of these up last week uh, when we were talking with the you know the boys from Legendary Wolf Games. Um, but you know I wanted to be very specific with those guys because uh, you know we know Miles loves Final Fantasy VII, so we went over all of those. Plus we went over Ku Caspel, who is having a larger impact on the game. So before we just dive right into these spoilers, Rice, I'm going to ask everybody until we get that proper clarification. What do you think of Ku Caspel and the way it's kind of warping uh when i say I, I use the word warping very lightly but like an established rule in the game uh i think it's a weird way to go about the whole aspect of making fire a playable color trust me i'm i'm all behind it mm-hmm. but i think it's a weird way to go about it i think they maybe could have put different texts on ku castle but mm-hmm. uh i think it's fine and it's about time my red deck could kill your stall. I'll tell you what. Yeah, we don't have any issue with the effect. Like, there should be an answer for everything, right? Like, yeah. everything should yeah. have some way that you can go out of your way to counter it. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it just is strange. The way. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, and like I said, my big thing is I want to know if, because it still counts as damage, can the 6 CP Shantoto just slap you for zero, but slap her RFG effect on there with you as well. Yeah, we're going to need to see like a whole ruling and the right, to... the CR and everything before we go playing Kukas. Yeah, yeah. right, because cause I think that's, to me, that's a big deal. I shouldn't be able to slap you for zero. Yeah. Oh yeah, because Shantoto did that, now I'm going to RFG all of your shit. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. that'll be no, but like, we just, I just want to see, we, in general... I've had mm-hmm. a couple changes to the advanced rules, and especially with something big like this getting changed, I hope it mm-hmm. gives us a new version of the advanced rules document to go off. So Absolutely, that I think that's the right way to put some it. Some of those Twitter uh, rulings into a new document. Yeah, and exactly. especially with like the split element forwards and cards mm-hmm. and stuff coming. So it sounds yeah. like and the counters and tokens. Like yeah, there actually yeah. are a lot of things. This, to add this will to the be rules. the year we get another CR update, probably. Yeah. We definitely need it. Mm-hmm. We need it. And and we'll see where that goes. Um, so, again, we're just kind of speculating and reserving our judgment until then. But we're going to go ahead and dive right into these spoilers. I, I got it pulled up on uh, fftcg.org. So we're just going to kind of go down the line on those. Mm-hmm. We're going to start with uh, a 2CP fire forward with probably my favorite job that I've seen in this game yet. <laughs> and I'm talking about Morrow. And his he's a fat, uh, Final Fantasy Legends category. Um, and his job is adventure, adventurer in training. He's in I training. fucking love it. That's right. He is in training. He's working. And uh, yeah, he's a two CP fire forward five K. Uh, he has, he is very much to me, feels like kind of a tutorial card. Uh, his abilities are damage three. Morrow gains plus 2000 power and haste damage six. Morrow gains 2000 power. And when the forward damage by Morrow is put into, put from the field into the break zone on the same turn, Activate Morrow, and Morrow can attack once more this turn. Rice, it's a red card. I'm going to start with you. What do you think? All right. Uh, I like it. Uh, two CP is cool. 5K is cool. Both of his effects are, are actually pretty decent. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's balanced for a rare because it doesn't do much unless you've taken much damage. Mm-hmm. I think it's a cool Zondi target, the new legendary Zondi. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's FFL, so Diana finds it if you're playing Fire Lightning with some Warriors of Darkness. So. Yeah. 
I think that's pretty cool. That's true. John, how about you? Uh, so just like he said that it's FFL, um, it finally gives you a card other than Soul and Aegis that actually yep. are red because you know that what's-his-face, um, the guy who searches for Diana. Oh, uh, Glaive? Yeah. Glaive, so yeah. Glaive, he searches for Soul as well, but there hasn't mm-hmm. really been a reason to go red. So it's mm-hmm. cool that there's more FFL guys in red. Also, this guy is a really fun uh, baby Phoenix target. Like, yeah. It just <laughs> he gets the... Uh, it comes in with a uh, 9k in haste and the whole like you know mm-hmm. double attack if he gets to kill a guy type of. Well, and I'm glad you said that because I'm I'm gonna kind of piggyback off of that. I I love the idea of like playing him and like uh, Birdman in the same list mm-hmm. with cards like Hecaton Chair Titan because um, now you've got two guys that can just start going to the grill. Mm-hmm. you know multiple times if they get something out of the way i think i mean we're, we're, we're stretching we're, we're digging for gold there but i actually i like this card a lot and i agree with you rice that i think he's he's very balanced for a rare um and at three damage i think he's just a good oh, i'll pay two and swing with a 7k i yeah. think that's fine yeah the Firewater gilgamesh that was tearing up japan for a little bit there and seems to mm-hmm. be a real deck like this slots right into that and you oh, imagine yeah, you gilgamesh swing into this guy on six damage that's oh, a yeah. lot yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good. All right, next up, moving right along, we have an ice monster, one CP, uh, category nine monster, Dandrine, uh, multi-unit. Uh, job is demon. Uh, when an ice character other than Dandrine enters your field, place one monster counter on Dandrine. So here we are again with monster counters. Mm-hmm. Uh, next ability is put Dandrine into the break zone. Choose one forward and dull it. Next ability is put Dandrine into the ba- uh, break zone. Choose up to two forwards. Dull them and freeze them. You can only use this ability if three or more monster counters are placed on Dandrine. John, we're going to go the other way. It's Category 9, right up your alley. Talk to me, Goose. All right, so yeah, you just mentioned it's pretty cool that this is a Category 9 searchable monster. uh, Mm -hmm. Ice. So uh, he plays nice with the other Ice 9 cards like Kuja and and Garland. Yep, and Uh, Steiner can search him as well, which is good. Steiner search it. uh, That's excellent. Um, mm-hmm. he counts for things like Vivi if you want to, now mm-hmm. you're getting enough ice characters if, oh, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. that becomes a three color thing, but anyway, the actual strengths of this card probably don't lie in the category probably lies in just the fact that this is a one CP card, that once mm-hmm. you play three more ice characters, it's going to be able to don't freeze two guys, so that's actually pretty mm-hmm. awesome um, barring any kind of way to like counter monster counters, this mm-hmm. is a really, really powerful investment for one cp because you will be playing ice character right it's like a yep. given it's gonna yep. happen um for one cp if your opponent uses any removal on this i guarantee it costs them more than one so it's like you know it doesn't matter yep. as much and then you just respond by breaking it yeah and choose one to dull it like if you have to but i mm-hmm. mean it's gonna be really really easy to get to the second effect mm-hmm. and dulling and freezing two things is huge so. mm-hmm. absolutely rice what do you think i like it I'm looking forward to playing it in like ice water monsters or something, mm-hmm. or maybe mono ice could get away with playing Hurdy if it mm-hmm. uh, doesn't play Glossian Zalera and get some more monsters that do things. So mm-hmm. I think it's a good card. I don't think it's dying to be played, mm-hmm. but uh, it it definitely fits into ice water monsters and maybe like you guys said, FF9 searches it, Steiner finds it, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, above, a lot of good stuff. Above the line of playability, if I were to rank it. It's really interesting yeah, no, to me that it's two forwards, Dull and Freeze. I feel like like one Dull and Freeze is where I mm-hmm. would have thought they would put it. So I think well, that the fact that it gets two guys out of the way for something that you don't go out of your way at all to do. 
Well, yeah. and also too, right? It's a it's a multi unit. It only costs you one. So like you play three of these, you just start putting. You know, the first one's going to end up with two counters. The second one's going to, or the first one's yeah, going to end up with yeah, two. The okay, so just like you can for all of them too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, character, I, so it's anything. <laughs> exactly, and I do like the idea of again ice water monsters. I really genuinely hope. Um, you know, it plays well with a card like Gal. Um, now I'm in my head, I'm thinking we're going to see a new gal, this set that probably does something with monster counters. Mm -hmm. So I think if that's the case, we're looking at something a little bit better than it. I mean, I think it's a good card. I think I agree with you, Rice. It's above the level of playability. I think it's, I think it's fine. I think it's going to be a decent limited card too, depending on how much ice you can find yourself in. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's fine. It could just win you a game potentially on the spot. So I like it. Um, another card. Can Dolan freeze no. on like their turn. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's yeah, no absolutely. turn restriction on that. It's good. Absolutely, it's good. Um, especially if you um, like if you play Back Attack Sephiroth on their turn, put the third counter on it, then you dull and freeze two things, you've just well, it's like, taken their I'm whole board down. Always, every time I play this card, I'm almost always going to be taking two forwards out for two turns. <laughs> exactly. I think that's good. Yeah. I think it's good. Um, next card, we're sticking on the ice side of things. We have another a new version of Mute. Uh, two CP backup, category tactics advance, job prints. Hey. Job prints, searchable by um, by Puge. Is it by, yes. No, not Puge. Yes, yeah, Puge. Puge. Yeah, yeah, Puge. Puge. Um, and this was uh, just real simple for ice and tap. Put mute into the break zone. Dull and freeze all the backups opponent controls. You can only use this ability during your turn and if your opponent controls five or more backups. Rice, what do you think? Uh, I'm, I don't know about this one. Mm -hmm. uh the fact that it requires your opponent to do have five like that seems mm -hmm. pretty limited to me i mean i've lost plenty of games where my opponent doesn't have five and i just don't know how i'm gonna find room in this in my ice decks but that is a powerful ability mm -hmm. i just don't think i'll be personally the one finding a way to be using it for sure john what do you think yeah i think he highlighted that like um the weaknesses of this card right um mm -hmm. i think that the strengths of this card are that it doesn't have any kind of requirements on your end so mm -hmm. it's kind of cool that you can play this in like doesn't have to be like a mono ice or anything like that right like this mm -hmm. is going to slide right into those real grindy ice earth kind of control like mm -hmm. slow ass stop them from doing things where they're already playing ultimisha and their favorite mode is like freeze all your stuff so i just think it's like um since it's a 2cp backup like that's just a really mm -hmm. cool effect, but I agree that it's not like universally so good that it just goes in, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah. there will be like styles of decks I think love this card, mm -hmm. and I yeah. do think that the job prince is cool because it gives you a way to turn Puge into a tutor for ice. Not that mm -hmm. um, there's really any other synergies for Puge in Water Ice, but you know, maybe one day. That's what yeah. I just love all these things that it's always relevant at some point, you know. Yeah, mm -hmm. we need we need more little mini synergies like that that eventually add up to be something. Yeah, which is why I love, you know, like people they reveal uh the legend unit and another card that we're about to talk about and everybody's <laughs> like, "Oh, cool, Braska, this garbage card for for years <laughs> is finally yeah. finally this gets enough the... critical mass of, you know, synergy mm -hmm. cards." Yeah, this looks like the set they're going to push summoners on us. Mm -hmm. Yep. I've already gotten 3 because people forget the Ridia is already, you know, she is mm -hmm. too. Yeah. And also, yeah. keep in mind, uh, Mute is a full art as well, so that could be the box buster full art for everyone. Yeah, I mean, he's um, he's also just a good Mute. The last Mute was really bad. Well, it was very specific. Like, you well, were true. literally searching really Sid Reigns. cards that weren't very good, that's why. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. 
All right, well, next up, speaking of a card that I think is very good, uh, it's a new uh, standard unit backup. It's a 3CP Thief multi-unit. Um, it's a really neat ability. When Thief enters the field, turn over one card at a time from the top of your deck until an Earth or Lightning card is revealed. Add it to your hand, then shuffle the other cards and return them to the bottom of your deck. No muss, no fuss. They go to the bottom. Chris, why don't you uh, start off on this one? Uh, I actually like this card a lot. It really opens. I, I mean, obviously, you look at a card. Um, you know, look at a deck. You know, a wind, wind earth deck. This could potentially just you know get you Sybil sooner or another Earth card sooner rather than later. I like the idea that now wind has more splash options. Like you could just play you know one or two Earth cards in the deck, and now you have the way to go get them. Mm -hmm. Um. I like this card a lot. I think for 3CP, I like what it does for 3CP. It's really technically it becomes a 1CP because it's going to put a card into your hand. Um, I think, you know, any deck, any card like this that opens up some really unique deck construction, I am all for. Yeah. Like I love it. So I actually like this cool card a lot. And it's things. special, so it's a great title card. Yeah, there's so many cool little things, right? Like, oh, mm -hmm. uh, I will just run the starter cane and mm -hmm. only lightning canes. Right, mm -hmm. and then this guy just searches for the cane for the ability, mm -hmm. or like you play Shantoto, and he searches for the only Shantoto backups or whatever in your deck, and mm -hmm. then you can play the two CP Moogle that taps for Earth, but is a wind card, so end up playing like yep. a mono wind deck, and he can just find the silver bullet Earth cards. Um, yep, it's a really Star Sybil really or whatever, yeah. like evolution of the lock backup mm -hmm. on a cheaper backup. That uh, debatably can do crazier things. So I think this is a really, really neat card. I love this card. Yeah. And this is another full art with awesome art, too. Yeah, great art. Rice, what do you think? Uh, the only reason I'm not giving it a 5 out of 5 is because it's only in certain decks. But, man, I love this card. I've played Earthwind so many times and wish I just had more 3 CP backups. And this definitely mm -hmm. fills that role. Mm -hmm. And I've played a ton of Mono Wind, splashing just Shantoto and, like, Kukospel or maybe Sybil. Um, not Kukaspel, mm -hmm. but Kusa, sorry, to yeah. summon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I love this card, man. It's going to be like really good. It's good in title. I think it's it's really good in Wind Lightning, because I think Wind Lightning isn't far off from being playable, and it's very heavy on standard units now because mm -hmm. of, like, Arc and all the good standard units that are in Wind and Lightning. Well, right, um, yeah, so yeah. multiplayer. Like, he, he yeah, this card's playing this card keep getting is, Earth cards. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Great <laughs> art, great effect. Like yep. I said, we, we need more cards that push little synergies like this, and this card definitely pushes like Earthwind and Wind Lightning. Not mm -hmm. that Earthwind needed anything else, but now the next the next question I'm gonna ask before we move on to the next one. Um the multi unit cards that are the multicolor cards coming up, are they considered to be that color? So if there was a wind earth multicolor card, I would imagine it could I flip that and if it's the multicolor card? That, I put that's that in another my hand? thing we need to get the ruling on because yeah. we don't know what they're considered and we don't know what they pitch for. Like what they, they very yeah. well could just pitch for whatever color is on the left side of the card or something yeah. like that. So. Uh, what they pitch for is the thing I'm definitely the most interested in figuring out. Yeah, because like, exactly. They have a it's universal element. That's if, why it's interesting. Yeah, if, if they pitch for both, that's. Got yeah, it. be it one of each, two of one, two of another. Oh, that'd be so gross. Yeah, uh, but, whatever. As long as it's not pitched for rainbow, because it's a rainbow exactly. crystal, and that'd be kind of wild. Yeah, but, yeah um, I'd like to see them be pitched for two of one, not one of each. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But also, I think that as far as like what the card has, as far as a trait, I think it will be like how the Shantoto backup technically possesses multiple elements. I think it'll mm -hmm. just possess both elements. It'll be like the, the monster forward duality cards, where they just are two things. Mm 
But All right. Well, next up, absolutely. I, I think the card's really good, and I think it opens up a lot of neat avenues and raises some questions for cards moving down the line. So maybe we do get that uh, that that new comprehensive rules sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. But boys, now we're about to take a quick trip down legendary row. The next three cards we're going to talk about are legends, and we're going to start with uh, a wind. Le- our first, I believe, this is our first wind legend that we've seen. Am I right? Is this the first yeah, one? Yeah, we've seen three yep. legends. You have two words, okay. one win. Yep. Yep. And oh, no, this is a three. Yep. And one like Ariana. Yeah. We oh, that. yeah. Yeah. I forget yeah. that's a legend. Yeah. yeah. And also the box topper. But uh, so, you know, we got some gorgeous Amano art. It's a three CP, 7K, a job summoner, category 10. We all know her. We all love her or hate her, however you want to do it. Um, but finally, she comes in green. And she has a lot of text on her card. So let's go ahead and get right to it. She sure does. So the cost required to cast your summons can be paid with CP of any element. That's saucy. When Yuna enters the field, you may pay three wind and two colorless. When you do, search for up to six summons, each of a different element and cost, and then add them to your hand. She has an S ability uh, that just cost S, which is never bad. Uh, when you cast a summon this turn, you may cast one summon from your hand with a cost inferior to that summon. You ca- uh, to that summon you cast without paying its cost. So, you know, you know who we're going to start with on this one for you know what, Rice, we're going to start with you on this one because I feel I feel like you're itching to say something. Ah, uh, man, <laughs> I wish you weren't going to do that. All I have to say is ban Val for it because this card is totally playable in mono win, flashing mm-hmm. Val for it just to do board wipe season even easier and. I'm mm-hmm. like one of the biggest mono win fans out there. I love that deck. I play it every opus. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, this card could get out of control at Battle for Well, you're not playing light unit, man. Where's your light unit at? <laughs> it's cheaper than this. Because, because you're playing, because you're playing, <laughs> you're playing fucking Yuri. Well, yeah, yeah. You don't have to pay five to search for the Valfor. But yeah, yeah. So I think that, yeah, it's definitely cool in that sense. But this card mm-hmm. is such a fun build around card. Like, wow, this is wild. Oh, yeah, definitely. This card, so. Just to like the the full cost of this here, if you want to do quote unquote the thing with Yuna, mm-hmm. right? Is you pay it three for Yuna, you have to have the unit in your hand, then it's another five, right? Mm-hmm. And then you would have to use the S ability and the S ability is when you cast a summon this. So card. you can, so you can cascade down then. Right, but the S ability is when you cast. So the S ability doesn't cast it for you, right? So you still have mm-hmm. to pay to cast a summon too. So yep, in reality, it's basically as expensive as doing the Sin Giga Graviton to actually do all this in one turn. So it's probably mm-hmm. not going to happen all in one turn. But mm-hmm. what you can do is, like you said, the S ability does cascade. So once you use this S ability, it is called double cast. I don't know why it's called double cast, because it's most likely always going to be a triple cast plus. Yep. But what you're going to do is you cast a summon, um, and then that summon triggers the ability and casts another summon, which triggers the ability, which casts another summon, which triggers the ability, which casts another summon. So what you're saying is in Mono Wind, you're going to go Diabolos, Alexander, Valifor, all in one turn. Yeah, it's mostly going to be, I think, the most realistic styles of this happening are going to be five four three twos or you know like five yep. four twos five three somethings yep. but yeah like you said diabolos into alexander or something like that into you know chaos, chaos walker, walker into chocobo into valfor. or valfor yeah. or into sylph or you know the one cp draw card deal damage like mm-hmm. all these things um and it's cool because you can like chain that with the diabolos like oh, i'm gonna make this guy a 1k and then sylph that guy valfor these guys do all the like it's gonna be really neat but it also, mm-hmm. like, it's hard to pull off, but at the same time, even just the, her ender trigger 
putting six cards in your hand could be pretty wild. So this is yep. going to be a really interesting. If you have five backups, you could just board. yeah. Because I mean, you can do. There's a lot of neat things you can do. Because um, can you? I'm just trying to think. Let's go ahead and kind of go down a crazy like stack here, right? You sure. play Yuna. You tap your other two backups. Uh, you all right, so she enters the field. You can you stack her trigger the pay. So you tap three, stack her trigger, Valifor. Ready all your backups. Tap them again to grab six summons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then yeah, one not, of them, and then like one of them, and then one of them can the be a Valifor. Yeah, and then one of them can be a Valifor. So you're right. You do. You stack the trigger. You Valifor, and then you pay. Yeah. Then she gets a. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Exactly. To me, that's that seems that seems silly, right? Because yeah, it also pay, it's up to six. They have to be different elements and different costs. Oh, that's you fine. You don't give a shit. I'm saying you have Alphor and other things, too. Like. Yeah. Well, I like her, like, in this crazy Earth, uh, this Wind Splash Earth deck we're building. Because now I can get Ku Sith, or I can get whatever. And then, well, it doesn't you matter know. what color they are, because she says exactly. you can pay whatever color you want for them. Yeah. Exactly. And are you able to grab, uh, and you can grab, like, lighter dark summons out of that bitch, too. Mm -hmm. So... I think the card's really, really neat. I think she's a really neat card. But I, I agree, you know, initially what Rice said. The fact that now we have an on-color Yuna that does, especially if you're playing Mono Wind, you're running Yuri, you're running, yeah, that's your light card in that deck. Now you can play Valifor without really having to worry about it. And the fact that she's she's a Vaughn target. She can be played off of Vaughn, yeah. which is huge too. <laughs> she she checks every box. <laughs> she checks she literally checks every her, box. Her name is relevant, her job is relevant, her title's relevant, her cost is relevant, her abilities are relevant. Yeah, yeah like you can play has the perfect YRP cost. and Mono Wind now. That's yeah. crazy. You like, sure can. You this, sure card, can. this card gives me the vapors if it if it gets oh, out of control. Load it be. Load it be. Just yeah, please, I mean, this please is a hashtag ban Balafor already. This is a yes. legend, baby. This is a... This is a <laughs> Slaps roof of the car. This right here. This is a legend. This baby can um, search so many summons. <laughs> and uh, that's actually a good segue. Speaking of legends, um, the next one is was the card of the week. And I'm the more I read this card, the more I look at it, the more I'm coming around on it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm talking about the new Ursula. She's a 4CP, Category 4, uh, 5K, Job Monk. Also has a wall of text on her card. Also in full art, um, when Ursula enters the field, choose one job monk or card name monk of cost two or less in your break zone. Play it onto the field. Next ability is put one job monk or card name monk other than Ursula on um, uh, into the break zone. Then select one of two one of the two following actions. Until the end of the turn, Ursula gains four thousand power in brave, or choose one forward deal it damage equal to Ursula's power. I'll go ahead and lead on this one because, like I said, this card's. Uh, it, 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 the more I look at it, the more I'm liking it. Because when I first saw it, it is. Because the more, the more when I first saw it, I was like, I don't know. Like I feel like if I'm playing Ursula, I'd rather just play the other one because it's a bigger body. Even for two less, it's still a bigger body. Um, it has a very relevant S. Um, but I like the fact that if I'm not mistaken, you can play this, get a monk back up, then just break it to her ability. You can get something, get it back, or you know, you oh, can yeah, do sure. a lot of things. Um, and there's another car we're, we're talking about that, you know, will be, you know, that could be relevant with her, but mm -hmm. I like the idea of d the doing the damage part, right? Cause, um, you know, putting 5k on something six, maybe 7k, depending on, you know, what you have out and around, mm -hmm. um, I think is really good. Um, the, the thing that I was thinking about, I kind of like this in a deck with, um, with like Rufus, you know, some, something like that, where you can just do a lot of little earth lightning pingy things. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, I like the card a lot. Um, I, I really think she's a card that as we see more monks, anything named mm. monk is going to be something you have to, as soon as you see it, you're going to have to go back to this card. Um, cause I, I, I do think it's solid. I just, I do feel like it's going to be one of those cards like Rufus that it's going to kind of be on standby until we see what other kind of support comes in this set. She's a um, monk away, Chris is what I've Yeah. She, she's literally a monk away she's a monk from away, being, man. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so go ahead, John. I, I think the card's good, but I just don't know how good yet. Yeah, so people are really hyping the Yang into the Ursula thing, and I, was it you who said that your your life mission is to... Oh, no, it was somebody at my local... That was, that was Adam Duncan. Someone's life mission is to just of play... Of course it was! Just to just play <laughs> the Vanille into the Yang, into the Ursula, into a backup. That is their dream. And I'm like... Yeah, right, a yeah, top, you know top 8 Johnny said the same like, thing, too. I, I, okay, yeah, absolutely. Like, it's really... Hey, if you do that, that is good. Yes, agree. Breaking Golbez on turn one is also very strong. But, like, you mm-hmm. know, these things don't happen every turn one. And the deck is very different when they don't, which is why, mm-hmm. you know, those things are you know, hit and miss. So I mm-hmm. think that this Ursula does some great, like, has a lot of text, does a lot of cool mm-hmm. stuff. Um, like you said, the most relevant part of its second ability is to choose a forward and deal a damage equal to her power. The fact that mm-hmm. it's not a fight, and I think you will rarely be using that twice to pump her end use it i yep. think it will mostly be as part of combos because there's a uh, a lot i don't like about put one thing like monk or card name monk into the break zone uh mm-hmm. you can you'll quickly get out of hand getting rid of your own backups to like deal damage to stuff and if they you know somehow survive whatever it is you're trying to do to them that, that's a permanent type yep. of hurt also most mm-hmm. of the monks like we're going to talk about one that's probably better than all the rest of them combined and it's like the rest of the backup monks are very okay, and they do the exact same mm-hmm. thing that the first half of her ability does worse, right? So, like, they break themselves yep. to do that. So, it's like, I wish that it was something different. I wish, mm-hmm. you know, that covered maybe another one of their weaknesses. But, like, though I keep saying to people, if we get, you know, we could very, very easily have a Vargas or a new Yang or another mm-hmm. Sabin or something in this set. We know there's six and four cards in this set. There could easily mm-hmm. be, like, a imagine if there's, like, a two CP Yang that just comes out now like that's maybe a backup mm-hmm. that works really well with her that could change yeah. everything this card does a really powerful thing it's just as good as the cards that it interacts with right now i think exactly it, it's just like the the lightning from the last set we were talking about during coffee and bullshit oh this is better than lightning, she's I think, held, no sure. right, well, right but we were saying that lightning's held back by the quality of odin's yeah absolutely. she's kind of held back by the quality of monks mm-hmm. now because also too right like I, I wish i wish there was a way that her text could be worded that you could like you know, get around with like doing tricky things with Sabin, like make Sabin unbreakable, target with Ursula, and you don't break it. But you yeah, know, so what the monks wish... need is they need protection that's not on a six CP forward, and the only yes. protection that Ma offers is that they can't be dulled. Like they yeah. just need some kind of like defensive thing that's not power. That's what I think, and I'm hoping Yang yeah. protects Ursula just like for flavor reasons, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think the I think the card's okay. Uh, Rice, what do you think? So I, I put out a lot of hate for this card. I just wish Earth had better standalone legends this set. They're already both like so niche, They're but uh, super tribal, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, like like if you like you guys said, this card is good. It does some good stuff. Any card with this much text can't be awful. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we we definitely need to see more monks because there's no way in hell I'm playing Fire Earth monks with the Yang that fights. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no. this is until I yeah. see more. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, imagine a really nice. If there was just like a two CP backup that maybe it gave Ursula like haste, mm-hmm. like like you know how Zangan gives Tifa's haste. Like, oh, why? It seems like a you know I know that Tifa is a martial artist, but it seems like we're something that we're willing to do is give you know people that punch people 
haste. <laughs> like giving yeah. uh giving Ursula haste on the Yang and then like you can break him to like deal something to damage. Like stuff like that would be cool. Um like once she already attacks, then break mm-hmm. him to give her four thousand power. I don't know. You know, like like there's just some kind of synergy I need for her besides backups that break themselves to pump guys. Exactly. Like Exactly. And it's a good it's a good segue because the next up is you know we talked about it a little bit last week but we didn't have the image spoiled so we're gonna go ahead and talk about it this week and that's the uh, the other Earth legendary which again is again very synergy dependent and it's a new Tifa uh, she's a five CP Earth forward uh, Decidia and uh, category seven obviously job martial artist uh, nine nine uh, K she's very very normal statted um, but she has a lot of text as well so if you control a card named Cloud. The cost for paying Tifa onto the field is reduced by one and can be paid with CP of any element. Uh, the Category 7 forwards other than Tifa you control gain 2,000 power in Brave. And then at damage 3, Tifa gains the Category 7 forwards you control cannot be broken by opposing summons or abilities that don't deal damage. Um, Rice, I'm going to let you talk about this one. I know I know you love some Final Fantasy 7, so we'll uh, go ahead. Go, go to town, sir. <laughs> So I, I love this card. I think it does I a do lot too. of the things the deck needs. Uh, it's just a really big Earth card. Like, plus 2k and Brave to all those forwards is pretty gas. Uh, mm-hmm. Damage 3 is, like, really easy. Like, I never block. Damage oh, 3 no. happens, happens in just a few turns. I drop this card. The great thing is they can't respond to it. Like, my mm-hmm. things are automatically pumped. They're all Brave, and they cannot be broken. Mm-hmm. Uh, For yeah, self-included. Yeah, this Three card's great. Abilities, man. I think great. at four CP with a cloud, it's even better. Like we know how mm-hmm. good cost reduced nine Ks are. I think it's pretty cool that it's cloud period. So even cloud backup could make this mm-hmm. cheap if you wanted to. Um, yep. And I think if FF seven gets more just red cards, I think you could splash this into like mono fire seven. Oh, yeah, I know Snell sure. and I have been brewing that up, and like this could go into fire ice seven. No mm-hmm. issue at all. I mm-hmm. think I think the fact you can pay CP of any element for this card if you have a cloud is really strong too. So yeah, I mean mm-hmm. the first thing that I wanted to put this in was a mono fire seven deck. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, it definitely works. Like plus two K and Brave is really strong. And yeah, yeah people wild. look at it like oh, it's just another anthem, but it's like there's so many times like Waff or something pings away your forwards just because you're not big enough. Also, and being it being able to have plus two is like is actually a lot stronger than it looks. So, if this card saves all your other cards, it's it's crazy good. Dude, also 100%. plus the fact that they are um like brave and almost yeah. all these S cards or all these FF seven cards have these crazy S abilities. Yeah, like yeah. the fact that if you're playing like the birthing pod cloud, right? He now has brave in two thousand power, so he attacks with that seven K and yeah, and he does the thing. Like yep. yeah. Well, and also too, right? Because I guess we're just kind of we're going to just round table this one naturally. The fact that she protects what was up until this point the best forward in that category, and I'm talking about the five CP Barrett. Mm-hmm. Um, that guy, because usually when you play that deck, if Barrett hits you twice, and just the card advantage you gain off of that usually is enough to win the game. But now you don't have to worry about protecting him with like titan or mist dragon anymore because yep. tifa just kind of does that for you now you really just need to protect her yeah well no she she tifa well, gains um, all of them so she, she doesn't gain the, the she doesn't yeah she doesn't gain the 2000 so she will yeah, end, yeah, yeah. end up being the smallest body at 9k which is wild so Dude, just having the titan or the mist brought me a burrito oh, oh nice. nice all right so that's pretty yeah, lucky that just happened 
and it also sick scared the shit out of me <laughs> like Pretty i lucky. jumped all right sorry guys continue no you're fine man it's, it, it's, it, look a surprise burrito is there, there's not much better than that so yeah i like the card i don't know if it's enough to push seven stuff good I, meta, but it, i don't uh, know it's got some good text on it yeah and she becomes like you know every if she, she's like what am i trying to say here like she's the very she's the card like the rain that pushed Waff over. She's yeah, a very yeah. pushed card for seven yep. synergy. Um, so I think I think honestly moving forward and, and you know she's tutorable off of Zangan. Uh, can she can Zangan get her or is, Tifa, is Zangan only four or less Tifa? Zangan can get her. He can't give he her can't. hate. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But like I like the idea of also too, especially when you start playing around with birthing pod cloud, you can. Play, get, grab the four CP Tifa, swing with her, birthing pod cloud, get her out of here, and then play the five CP Tifa just to protect all your shit at that point. Yeah, now the cloud it, is seven K and can't be broken by things that don't deal damage. Exactly. So I think it's neat. It's very much like the the backbone of the center of the category, and I think if you are paying category seven, you're playing three of this card. Mm -hmm. Oh, just I really think you could even play the other Tifas and then just splash a couple of these for S. So you know, I yeah. think it's it. Or very break good build around card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And another thing to add on is we know we're getting another light cloud in a this set as well. So mm -hmm. yeah. who knows how good that's going to be? And maybe that pushes seven further. Mm -hmm. And the other crazy thing is like, let's say light cloud's good. Like, does he slot into like icer flans that has like a seven sub theme? Mm -hmm. And then you can play that light cloud and then splash this. Like, ice would love their forwards to be plus two K and brave. Like. Yeah, imagine imagine Sephiroth as a 10k with Brave. That feels yeah, pretty there's, good. There's uh, very few things I like more than a 10. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, what's better than a 10k Sephiroth or like a 9k Genesis with Brave? Like, oh, that, that's music to my ears right yeah. there. So I like this Me card. Too. I'll be playing it every chance I can. Yeah, I just hope it's my enough to push it. So uh, here's something I really want to just take a minute to compare this back to Earth. Sure. Card, right. So. We look at this card and it, it has like something that makes it cheaper and something that rewards you for playing the same mm -hmm. the tribe, so to speak. But what this does is it protects all those cards in ways that no other cards protect them. And we're talking about how great this is for and how viable this makes all these different things. And you can splash it into anything and it protects all the cards. And it's like, mm -hmm. and we compared it to Rain, who is a card that makes herself free, gives all the guys in her title haste. And has them all deal damage when they attack. And like we compare mm -hmm. this to the Ursula, and it's like, oh well, she can cheat a two cost yeah, backup we, into play. We need at it's least like, guys. Like... I get that she can cost a backup into play. We're looking for rain level tribe pushing. <laughs> like, yeah, like we, we, we need, need something like that for monks, right? Like that's yes. not even close to something that snap. Rain is the kind of card that makes something a thing now. People yep. keep messaging me like, does Ursula make monks a thing now? It's like, dude, rain no! makes Waff a thing now. Yeah. We need something like that. And, uh, yeah, Ursula does not make monks anything. She's almost there. Like she's pretty close. Almost a monk away. <laughs> she's a monk away. That might be the name. That, of the that, I, you fucking beat me to it. Yes, I think that might be the name of the episode. But and it's a perfect segue because we're going right into another monk that was spoiled right along with her. Um, another away, two CP. I started laughing and my voice cracked like Peter Brady. Pork chops and applesauce. <laughs> Pork chops and apple sauce. But, um, so this monk, it's another 2CP Earth Backup Monk. Uh, beautiful art. It's that same special art. And I'm not mistaken, this one might be, is also a full mm -hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. also um, a full art. 
Yep, so this one is uh, it's 2CP backup standard unit. Uh, for Earth and Tap, put Monk into the break zone. Choose one forward. Deal it 3,000 damage for each job Monk or card name Monk you control. Um, so again, just to kind of go into this one, this is a, a fun one. You can play. You got this one in play already. You play Ursula. You break this. You bring it back into... You could potentially do 8K to something, right? Because you're going to hit him with 3K with the Monk. Bring the Monk back, then Ursula's going to do another 5K to it. So that's 8K off of really just playing, having this Monk up at the ready. But that's like... Well, no, it's breaking two of our backups. Like, that's, I mean, well, yeah, no, no, no. no yeah, well, yes, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely twice, right. You're absolutely But come on, you know. Well, no, like, no. Well, no, you don't necessarily have to, you have to break the other... Yeah, you do have to break another Monk. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, yeah fuck that. That's yeah, so, so that's the thing is we need, like... Because you have to fill the deck with them. So I yeah. just need more that are good. Now, I like this guy because he does something the other ones don't do. Mm-hmm. Like, Agreed. there's four backup monks that all just break to deal different amounts of power and brave to a guy. Mm-hmm. Like, like this guy actually does something different, and we're on mm-hmm. the right track. We just need another one that doesn't have to, like... We, we need a monk that is either, like, an anthem monk, kind of like the new Sarah that gives all warrior of lights. Plus, it was yeah, it was Arya or Sarah that gives all the warrior lights plus a thousand. Sarah, Sarah. Okay, yeah. like a monk that does that, or a monk that uh, gives them all haste, a monk that gives them all brave, mm-hmm. uh, something like they need yeah. something that is kind of static, or maybe a monk searcher, like a three CP backup that's a searcher. That would feel a lot better breaking that with Ursula than breaking a card that I want to save to break for its own ability. Yeah, well, that's what I said to somebody. Is I said, man, a tutor yeah. that isn't a 6CP forward would be real nice for the monk. That'd be saucy. Yeah. Man, what do you guys think of this card? It's kind of as advertised, right? Yeah, I, th- I think the art's cool. It's going to be a cool full art. 2CP uh, two, two backups are broken just by design, so like this card could say nothing on it. It would still see play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that effect's really good in a monk deck, so like, if yeah. monks become a thing this card will be in the deck that's mm-hmm. about it yeah, you won't see me monk back up yeah you won't be seeing me playing this card unless monks are a thing but if monks yeah, are no, a thing, i agree it'll be there mm-hmm. i agree with the yang that fights god damn right damn right all right so we're down to our last three um we're gonna start with our, our main gidget over here old gidgeteer um <laughs> she's a 2cp standard unit lightning backup category tactics advance uh, for lightning and tap, remove Gadgeteer and one backup from the game. Choose one backup in your break zone. If its cost is equal to the total of the two cards removed from the game, play it onto the field. You can use this ability only during your turn. What a cool card. I, I think it's very, very neat. There's some really cool shit you can do with this card. John, go ahead and, go ahead and lead us off. What a wacky little guy. This what a wacky little, little gadgeteer. This little gadgeteer, he removes himself and one other backup, right? And you choose a backup and play it onto the field if its cost is equal. It can't be less. It mm-hmm. can't be any other. Th- it has to be equal, right? So that's kind of okay. But uh, so how much does it cost to play Shantoto? Let's see. Two <laughs> from Gadgeteer. So you and then a, the 5 you CP five cost. Yeah. So the, you the take Ramza. the 5 CP Ramza and you break it with this Gadgeteer. So it's, you know, you tap two backups break one and replace it with Shantoto. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that this is a really neat card. And that's or just you the break most this and Aldo and get Exodus. Yeah, that's or like X-Death. a single... Yeah, yeah. How about, you know, break this guy and play Lezaford. Break this guy and play Sarah FFL. Break this guy and play mm-hmm. X-Death. Break this guy and play any of the absurd, stupid, overpriced backups 
that do silly things. This and a four drop get Sid Previa, get another three drop backup back. Yeah, you know what, what I mean? A neat card. Uh, and then, okay, so let's talk about some obvious, like, break this and the things that like to be broken, right? So break this and ramp Well, it, it, remo- it does oh, it remove them from the game. It removes them from the game. Yeah, so you're right. It does It does not do any of that stuff, but it cleans up, <laughs> it cleans up the backup line, like, mm-hmm. to play something powerful and make two spots. So it's like you kind of make up that disadvantage. Yeah. And it's that's really, what I'm saying. I like this. Really cool card. I like playing this. Playing then like Aldo, break those, get Sid Previa, and then another three drop. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. you've literally got new. You, you get you get fresh cards. You're back to the same backup line that you had, mm-hmm. but now you've you've kind of again you've kind of sculpted your hand and your backup line to what you're trying to do at that point in the game. And of course, I'm talking Mono Lightning here. And what you just um, said there that costs you the gadgeteer. So you tap, you pay one. And then mm-hmm. it's the other backup. So basically, you yeah, you just tap that now though. Yeah, well, no, you just tap the auto. You tap the auto oh, and that, and yeah, move yeah. them both. Yeah. So you you pay three CP by tapping three backups, and then you break the Aldo and the gadgeteer, and then you mm-hmm. get they replace themselves, and you go like, plus a card in your hand, and yep. they're just like relevant cards. Yeah, yeah. it's just um, I like it. it that's I like, like it, and it's like one of the more boring ways to use it. It's still really cool. I think it's a really yeah. neat card. Yeah. What do you think, Rex? Yeah, it's a neat card. Uh, I think. Mono Lightning, as people know it, is jam-packed of three CP backups, and like mm-hmm. being able to clean those up and replay, you know, your Ramza backup or something is pretty cool. Like you said, Aldo, like two two CP backups and doing Aldo is cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool card for a common. It it can do a lot of things. So yeah, I like it. Yeah. Sp- moving on to another uh, cool Lightning card, we have the Man in Black. Um. Can we get? Can we get? Can we get like? Can we get like sunglasses and like an actual <laughs> men in black suit alt art for this guy? Dude is standing uh, on the moon with just the Earth in the background, just like. Yep. Just uh, and once again, we've got a job. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, second mask. job of that, by the him way. The mask. Yeah. Yep. Uh, category four, obviously. Um, really good text. He says you cannot play. Uh, you cannot play man in black or card named Golbez while you already can. While while already in control of either character, which kind of sucks for title in that regard. Spoiler but... alert for those who haven't played FF4. What? You mean it's the same? It's the same guy. Oh, oh my! God. Oh, you didn't say that. Bullshit. Uh, when uh, when Man in Black enters the field, choose one Lightning Summon of cost three or less in your break zone. You may cast it without paying the cost. If you do so, remove the summon from the game after use instead of putting it into the break zone. Straightforward. No muss. No fuss. Rice. What do you think of this one? I like it. Five drop nine K. That's good. Uh, playing a summon for free is pretty good. You can play a Rama for free. Mm-hmm. You could splash this into the big lightning deck that's playing like nine Odins, and mm-hmm. you know, both the both the smaller Odins are good to play off this. So mm-hmm. I think it's cool. I think you know I could play one. I could play two. I don't think I'm ever gonna play three. But no. and then yeah. who knows what type of three drop summons coming with this? So I like this card a lot. It's cool. Yeah, I agree, John. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, he just does a really neat, efficient summon cast on a big old body in Lightning, so I think he's a really neat card. Yep, pretty straightforward. Not much to say there. And now uh, the last summon, uh, last one we're going to talk about is a summoner. It's a uh, a new Mobius card, which is always nice. Um, John, I know you love your Mobius cards. John, I love this um, card so much. So we have a 4CP Unileska. She's a 4CP summoner. Uh, Mo- categories are Mobius and 10, uh, Job Summoner. Uh, oh, she's on stat. Uh, she's on curve. She's an 8K. Uh, the cost required to cast your summons is reduced by one for each job summoner forward you control. It cannot become zero. 
When Unileska enters the field, choose one summon in your break zone. Place it at the bottom of your deck. All right. So, so uh, yeah, John, go ahead. This card is wild. I love this card. So mm-hmm. it, it's only wild because of everyone's favorite two CP backup Yuna. Oh, of course, of right? course. It doesn't. You don't even need another forward summoner. It, just ignore the fact that she can do that for other forward summoners. She basically says as long as she's on the field, the cost yep. required to cast your summons is reduced by one. Right? Yep. It can get better from there, but that's as bad as it ever gets. So yeah, so pretty much, out. man, if you've got her, <laughs> fucking man, if you've got her in 2CP Yuna, you mean I'm paying one for a Fanfrit? That's exactly yeah. what I'm telling you, Chris. You're playing one <laughs> for Fanfrit. You're playing one to return any forward to its owner's hand, uh, which even starts to get really good for you, right? All of yeah. a sudden, Leviathan becomes insane with your own Vikings. It's just like, yeah. it's just wild what this unlocks with the 2CP backup Yuna. All right, and that's Mono Water. Let's take one yep. step over, like, just into a slightly less you know, just, just boring territory into water wind where yeah, this card she's now searchable. Has, yeah, she's searchable. Titus does stuff with her. It gives her a thousand power, you know, brother mm-hmm. searches for her. We can start doing like the weird Kamari stuff. Let's play Braska on the back line. Let's reduce the cost of our summoners. Let's play the other forward Yuna and reduce the cost of our summons. Wow. Now we've got Yuna, Unaleska. We've got well, maybe an Ico to search out one of these. Summoners. Well, and also too, my Valifor only cost one. Yeah. Valifor costs one. <laughs> like, and it's just wild, like you know, Diabolos costs four. Oh, let's play the the unit out. Valfour costs one. Mm-hmm. Diabolos costs three. You know, yep. you play Ico to search for a summon. Diabolos costs two. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like yeah, that's right. Yeah, the new yeah the new Yuna's a summoner too, but yeah, oh, she's also legend yeah. summoner. Yeah, so it's like um, you can <clears throat> start stacking that without going too far out of your way. If you want to yep. go far out of your way, your all of your targets are basically like Oridia are all the yellow summoners. But yeah. I think that you don't even have to go any further. Look no further than this being on the board and having two CPU on your backup line, and you're gonna have a good fucking time. Yeah, Bryce, what do you think? Uh, I yeah, I mean, I'm on board. Four drop AK black belts are good at all times. They're pretty hard to remove sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's FF10, so like brother can find it. It's a summoner, mm-hmm. so they try and make summoners great for once. Mm-hmm. Uh, reducing summons by one is cool. I've always thought summons were kind of weak in this game. We needed more reason to play them. And you look at cards like Citra and stuff that mm-hmm. happen, and cards like this that are going to make summons worth it. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think cool. uh, shuffling cards back into your deck is a very strong mechanic that we don't have much of in this game. And uh, yeah, it's really good. Well, and even still, right? Like if we're looking, you know, we're again going back to wind water, you know, you don't necessarily even have to go all in on the tin package. Um, I think it's great because now you have the backup echo that searches a Mobius guy. Now you've got another target that you can search along with cloud of darkness. Right. Um, And again, putting, yeah. And Yasmat. So like putting your, Put it and then recycling your chaos walkers, recycling your because you're typically in wind water. You're playing stuff that's searching the deck. You're shuffling a lot. Yeah, you're basically so, playing Yu-Gi-Oh. Valfour can cost yeah. one water CP too, which is like yeah, that's what I'm saying. You can just card a water card to play Valfour, and like yeah, it's just yeah, very strong. I, I think the cards need. I don't think you need to go like crazy ham and eggs with and play like three. Like I think she's a solid like one, maybe two of. Because when you play her, she's going to do exactly what you need her to do, and you're going to get the play you need to put you ahead. Mm-hmm. And then you don't give a shit what happens to her after that, right? Because if you really need to protect her and she's doing that much for your deck, you've got cards like Yashtola, you know, whatever, Aerith, mm-hmm. whatever. you you got plenty of ways to keep her alive if need be. So, Yeah, I think uh, being Mobius and FF10 is really strong. 
Yeah, I agree. Really, there's just so many ways to get this card. There's yeah. three tutors for this card that are backups in Waterwind. So mm-hmm. I'm in. I'm sold. And uh, so before we move off the spoilers, I'm, uh, since we got Rice on, Matt, is there? I'll let you pick one. Is there one of the Final Fantasy VII starter cards that you wanted to go over? That you want? Is there one that really just that just oh. really just revs your engine? Oh, Kadaj. Kadaj is out of this world. That's that's my guy. That's one of my favorite characters. I'm slashing that card in like all the decks possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact he can give 2K Brave to himself or other characters is like. It's nuts. Love oh, yeah, you just card. give it, you give it to Tifa, so now they're all on board. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ice Earth can splash that card, no problem. Jesse mm-hmm. searches this card. Like mm-hmm. I, yeah, I love Kadaj. Kadaj is my favorite from the starter, without a doubt. Yeah, he's overstatted. Yeah. He has that really cool inherent protection mm-hmm. where yeah. he just saves himself at the end of every turn. Yeah, he he fits perfectly into the meta we're in right now. He's insanely strong. Yeah, takes things out of the break, so that's huge. All, yeah, all three of his modes are really good. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe the 2K and Brave wasn't going to work until I talked more with people who are smarter at doing judge things than I am, but mm-hmm. the fact all three of his modes are pretty much always going to be usable is really good. He's a 4-drop 9K for some odd reason. Yep. And he has EX. Like they, they went all out on this card, and I'm, I'm a huge fan. Ice Earth is one of my favorite decks, and being able to play FF7 Ice Earth or just playing Flans and putting this card in. It's crazy. Love it. 10 out of 10. Agreed. And then uh, the last piece of news, boy, we spent a lot of time on those spoilers because they're so good. <laughs> Opus, Opus 11's looking pretty good even so yeah, far so, with this small size. Yeah, both art, card text, it's all it's all great so far. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, and I think the last piece of news, um, I know there was a little bit of debate before this started. Um, it looks like uh, they may have ghost added the date of the Kansas Petite Cup. Was that Petite Cup? Crystal Cup. Holy shit! Um, the Kansas <laughs> Crystal Cup. All right. Um, and and I, I don't have right. I don't have it in front of me. Um, but when I don't remember seeing it because I remember speaking to Cody and he said it, it wasn't announced yet. But they do have the date now. And uh, what is that date, John or Matt? Because I don't have it in front. I don't have my figures in a- front of me. Apparently, anymore. it's been up for a while. People looked at me stupid when I updated my list and made us think about it. But, That's what I said. Uh, yeah, the yeah. uh, Collector's Cash Crystal Cup Kansas City will be July 18th and 19th. If you guys didn't yeah, mention I actually that have all the dates here if you want me to. Okay. So it's yeah, go ahead. Go, go give the old rundown real quick so people can, you know, know. Yeah, Tampa should be April 4th and 5th. Portland yep. should be May 16th and 17th. Ottawa should be June 27th and 28th. Kansas should be July 18th and 19th, and California should be August 29th and 30th. Okay, well, there it is. So plan your trips accordingly. Now, I know what I thought was really cool, and I know we talked about it during Coffee and Bullshit. Uh, they just released, and you know, since we you know, we are going to be doing a UFS sister cast, I thought this was really cool, and I like when companies do this. Uh, they had the PTC, which is their, you know, essentially Crystal Cup mm-hmm. schedule. Uh, released and they actually had one in Florida on the same weekend as the Crystal. And because enough people were like, "Hey, man, there's another event that a lot of people are probably going to want to play in," they actually moved that to the next week, which I thought was really cool. That now people people who play both games can do both. So I thought that was really neat. Something that uh, I like to see more more game games do that. Like if there's an event that can conflict with another one that a lot of people want to play. And I, I understand, uh, you know, well, then you have to pick one. But I like the idea. I like the idea of flexibility in that regard. I thought that was really neat. Not to not to switch gears real quick, but I thought that was oh, really, yeah, really, neat. really definitely cool worth that. mentioning. It's like, let's, well, you can coexist. It's okay. Exactly. It hit us with the old poor K no los dos. Mm-hmm. 
and we got dose. So I believe that's all the news we have this week. So let's go ahead you know, and dive right into some fun stuff, boys. Um, you know, competitive season is right around the corner. And what I saw this really neat post in one of my other group chats. It seemed like it was more specifically to magic. But I thought it was really, really neat. It was this thing, like this little, um, I guess it was on Twitter. Um, and it says, be honest. How do you rank yourself? And it has five categories. It has mental game, technical play, adaptability, preparation, and deck selection. So what I thought would be neat, um, you know, we're all competitive players. You know, we've been playing the game, both all of us, all three of us for a you know, long while, almost since day one. I mean, you guys probably longer than I have because I came in in Opus 4. Yeah, I've been, I used to demo the game with paper decks before it was even out. So See? I'm, I'm a go. day zero guy. Yeah, See, there, there it is. I'm, a, I'm an Opus 3 guy. I wanted to play in one and two. I literally, no matter how much money I was willing to throw at it, could not get cards. So, but, yeah, no, I've been, yeah, I just, I used up to buy stuff through the UK and everything. I imported my starter decks from England. Yeah. <laughs> yep, same. So, yeah. Well, I'm glad I missed all that. I came in as soon as I saw, oh, shit, there's a forward set. My first pack I opened it pre-release. I was like, oh, shit, Setzer's in this game? I'm in. That was that was literally my first sentence interacting with Final Fantasy trading card game with my own cards. Um, so with that being said, you know, we're all competitive players. Let's kind of go down the line. And, you know, Rice, since you're the guest, I'm going to go ahead and start with you. Let's go ahead and we'll use letter grades for ranking. Um, we'll... And just kind of explain why you feel how you feel with each one. So we'll start. Well, actually, no, we'll, we'll actually just kind of roundtable it. We'll start with mental game. Mental how, game. Yeah. How do you how do you rate rate yourself on your mental game? All right. First off, how low are we going? Like, can I go? Uh, to F? We'll go. We'll go yeah. A through F. Yeah. yeah. No, no, normal normal grading <laughs> scale. A through F. Uh, I think every card player has room to improve. Other, none of us are really perfect, but mental mm-hmm. game. I'd say I'm pretty good. I. Oki and like all my other teammates are like, man, I don't know how you do it. You've bubbled the last four events and you're still mm-hmm. here playing with us. So I think my mental game is probably one of my strengths. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I'm used to I'm used to like super long magic events. So it's like when sure. I play people who are like, oh, I can't do this half hour round. I'm like, whew, boy, you haven't mm-hmm. seen the end of it. Like I've yeah, I've been in tournament venues for two days before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. So what letter grade would you attach to your mental game? Uh, I'm going probably a B. I think I could always improve, but I'm still pretty strong. Okay. John, how about you? Talk about your mental game. Uh, it's a D minus, Chris. That's gonna Damn! Be- no, no, no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, mental game. So I think that, um, like you said, it's a lot of like tournament, like like if you get fatigued and stuff like that. Um like how well you keep up a mental game is definitely like bluffing or like reading your opponent, things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I like to think like my game awareness and like card knowledge and things like that are are really high Mm -hmm. so that that's one of my strengths as well. Um, And this is not, I'm not one upping rice here, but I'm giving myself a B plus. Okay. Oh damn, we can do like in between grades like that. Well, I mean, I, I don't necessarily. I think I think just doing a straight letter grade is probably just easier. Dude, I'm just look. You sent me the example. Uh, all right, I didn't all right send bro. Me the all right, bro. I get it. The I get example it. I get says it. B plus. That's a little fair. bit better than me, bro. I get it. He sent That's me the example. 
I, I will go back to when John and I played at the reunion. We both knew when each other was going to play Yasma at each other. So we <laughs> definitely do have say, the mental game yeah, down. <laughs> I was really about sure. to say, how did our last game go? I feel like I get the, I feel like I get the plus. I, get I was the like, he was like, here's your Yasma. Here's my Yasma. Yeah, that's true. Yep. That's all right. So with that being said, I, right, I I'll, think... I'll be, I'll be in the B category. That's fair. Cause <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to be less than all of y'all. I, I think, I can't give myself high, any higher than a C, and I'm going to tell you why. Um, when it comes to, like, during the match, I know the sequences. I know I know when something's coming. I can see what's going to happen, you know, as the turns become. Where my mental game slacks is if I find myself in a rut. Like, during, if I lose a game that I shouldn't have lost, maybe early on. Like, say, we go into a tournament, I lose, like, an early round, like, one or two. Mm-hmm. I have a tendency to beat myself up over it. And I find my sometimes I it's almost impossible for me to get out of that. Like I have to, it's hard for me to change my mindset once I go like if I go like one one or if I go oh two. Like more times than not, even if even if it's still on the table for me to make top cut, I'm probably not going to, and I'm probably gonna drop within the next two rounds because I've put myself I've I've psyched myself out. And Kurt and Curtis can vouch for that. And I, I see it and I know it happens. Um, and you know, the, the one time I think reason why I didn't do that was at reunion when I was, I was three Oh, then I lost two in a row and I was like, Holy shit, I have to win to keep. So, and we had two more, we had what, three more rounds to play at that mm-hmm. point. Yeah. So I, you know, I really had to like knuckle up and be like, okay, I need to win these next three games to make sure that I'm in top cut. Mm-hmm. And I did. But, you know, other events and before, no way I'd be done. Like, I would be so mentally defeated that I'd probably just lose my next game and drop immediately. So I think the highest I can give myself is a C, the absolute highest. But I think because of that, I have to honestly give myself a D. Because that's huge, right? Defeating yourself before the game even starts is, is, is probably the worst habit you can have. So I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna again. We're, we're being honest here. I'm gonna give myself a D. So, next category, we're talking technical play. John, we're gonna loop, we're gonna loop around the other way. John, if you were to grade yourself on technical play, what would you give yourself? Technical play, Chris. Um, out of all of this stuff, my technical play might actually be my worst. I think mm-hmm. I after like. Uh, a lot of years of playing games, I understand a lot of like the little super complicated things, mm-hmm. but sequencing is something that I think I could always get a lot better at. Absolutely. Um, I think that's probably the thing that everybody could get the most better at, mm-hmm. but uh, there are some people who just know, like, this is what I want to play, and then the next thing I want to see is this and that, and it's just like, uh, like sometimes I will, you know, there are definitely times I miss not a lot of triggers, but I missed some, you know, I'm, I mm-hmm. certainly can't say that I've never missed a unit H in my life, you know, things like that. So mm-hmm. there's always room for improvement on all of this stuff, but technical play, I'll give, I'll put a C for myself on that one. Okay. Rice, what do you think? How about uh, you? Technical play. That, that's probably my weakest. I feel like I've, I, I'm strong and I've always been strong, but I have a lot to improve. So I'd probably put myself at average, probably like C with John, like, I'm always playing like the more streamlined decks, nothing too advanced. I've played Fire Ice and Mono mm-hmm. Wind Death, and you know it's not that hard to make your opponent discard cards with Sephiroth. Yep. So I'll put myself at uh, maybe a C. Yeah, and actually I'm gonna follow suit. I'm gonna give myself a C as well because also when you start th- looking at technical play, we're also talking about 
how often you find yourself tapping CP correctly and knowing how, like, you know, I, I would say if there's any one player in this game who deserves an A plus to, to kind of set the bar, that's Sam Tool. I'd even give him yeah, S tier uh-huh. at technical play. Uh-huh. He's he Sam Tool is the benchmark that I set for technical play. It's always clean. CP's you know tapped correctly. Cost is paid. You know, the the card is played. Then the cost is paid. Um, so and it's not just that. It's not just sequencing. It's how you tap, how you interact with the cards on the table at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think leaving and, windows open for all the priority correct, responses. Like, correct. Like knowing how to the, the just the the seek the phases of the turn, knowing how the interactions work, how you play a card, you play an ability, there's a window, there's you know, knowing how that works, understanding the stack. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that goes into technical play. And the re- and the reason I give myself a C is because sometimes I play sloppy. Sometimes like I just get because I'll focus in on the line I'm trying to do to make sure I sequence that correctly that I might find myself fiddling with my back. Like, Oh, I should do this. And you know, you, mm-hmm. you start kind of overcomplicating what you're trying to do. Yeah. Um, I think it's funny that people might think that there's a disconnect between somebody being like a judge and then saying that their technical play is kind of low, but like for things like, um, like rules and like understanding the phases and understanding how everything stacks work and all that stuff. Like I'm an a, like a plus, mm-hmm. but it's, mm-hmm. it's like when you're sitting there playing, uh, and you have to do things in the right order. It's so much easier to like watch and comment. Oh, everybody can be an armchair yeah, quarterback. Yeah, yeah, sure. absolutely. So it's like that. My, I don't want to say that like my uh, game like <laughs> mechanics mm-hmm. uh, that I don't know everything like that like super super well. But yep, just because I'm judging all your guys' tournaments every week, so I don't want anybody out there. <laughs> this guy technical uh-huh. play with a C. Mm-hmm. Judging me. Well, it's just it, it, it's you know, it, it's that's why it's called technical play. Yeah. Yes. Play. True. Um, all right, so next up, we're going to go to adaptability. I'll start on this one. Um, as far as adaptability goes, I, I feel I can give myself a B because that goes to, that plays to, you know, knowing your matchups, knowing how to interact with even the most wildest of line in the matchup. Like, I'll use, again, I'll use Reunion as a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Going to the matchup against Dan, knowing that Delito was in the room, Knowing that Delito was in the room, if there's a, if there's, what am I trying to say? If you can sniff that Delito is going to be coming to the table soon, which of course, I mean, turn three when, you know, gets searched out, you're like, oh, well, here he is. Knowing how to, especially when you're playing WAF, right? Delita just kind of owns Rain. I literally had to play, I had Rain in my hand from turn two. Turn two. Couldn't play it, yeah. I could not play it. And I had to play the game around knowing that I couldn't play that card. And guess what? When you play Waff and you can't play Rain, you're playing your that deck goes from an A to a C plus. It's like the best way to describe Waff is I'll know uh, Rice. Maybe you know that. I don't know if you remember in Standard a few iterations back the blue white mon the Oketra's Monument deck. Yeah, 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 yeah. That deck once Monument was on the table was a fucking A plus, but yeah. without Monument you were playing a C minus deck at best, and that's what Waff is without Rain. So I had to change my play around. I literally had to sit there and poke with an 8K Brave first strike um, Brand uh, Brand Ellis, knowing to threaten the Pelinor ping until he got Minwu on the board. But that was enough to push like five points of damage through. Mm-hmm. So you know, knowing how to adapt to what your opponent, what's what's in front of you, I think I do a good enough job at it. Mm-hmm. But then you sometimes I still get caught off guard by like uh, what what deck is what's happening here. But I think. I can kind of speak for myself and maybe you guys as well. When you see cards on the other side of the table, 
you you especially if you see them in certain combinations, you kind of know what's coming. Yeah. Right. So I can give myself a B, but always room to improve. Uh, I guess I, I started with you, John, on technical play. We'll go to Rice now on adaptability. Adaptab- adaptability. Adaptability. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we describe that as like, so let's say I play mono wind, like I mm-hmm. always do, and I know like what cards I need to pump up to like three ofs or knock down to two ofs or like. Mm-hmm. How to how to improve my deck based on the room, like you said. I'd say mm-hmm. I'm pretty high up there. I'm really good at metagaming and like seeing decks improve. Like mm-hmm. I often say there's nobody that sees more deck lists than myself. Like I'm always the guy that's fishing for a Japanese list or talking to the talking to the UK guys. Like I love decks and I love metagames. Mm-hmm. I'd mm-hmm. probably say I'm like a B, maybe I would say maybe close to an A, because I mm-hmm. I have the knowledge. I'm always ready to adapt my decks to what's in the um mm-hmm. so I, I'd probably go B. I have more to improve, but I think that's probably one of my strongest points. I see why people are playing the spicy one of, or this card's a three of, mm-hmm. why is it a three of, why is this card a two of, and mm-hmm. things like that. I'm really good at figuring that kind of stuff out, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm solid with the B on that. Absolutely. John, how about you? Adaptability. Yeah, I think that adaptability is probably my highest one here, so... I'm going to say A for adaptability. Adaptability to me is a lot of things. It's adapting what you're playing to the meta. It's adapting like your plays so people have in the room. Like you guys said, it's like finding the text and things like that. It's being able to kind of like see where things are going and get there first by mm-hmm. bringing cards like a bunch of Royal Ripeness to Nationals and putting them mm-hmm. in people's decks. <laughs> it's just like things like that. Are, um, I've said it a couple of times with the cast, but it's just like uh, when I qualify for Nats, it's usually on like, something that i made to beat whatever i expect you know like like they're almost counter mm-hmm. certain things or like the prince deck dan and i play that is supposed to like kind of make the diabolos or waff things harder for people it's just like we're always almost always prioritizing adapting over everything mm-hmm. else you know sure. like, like our entire deck choice will be because of adaptability um mm-hmm. maybe sometimes you know we over adapt and uh, it's better to just you know keep doing the same thing but I think that we we prioritize that highly. We pride ourselves on on that, and I think that that's something that I focus a lot on. Uh, it helps like streaming these you know once or twice a week tournaments where you get to just see all this information, just so much information. It really helps you paint a picture of you know where things have come from, how they've changed because of what people have been doing, and how that will make them change going forward. Um, I think like Rice says, like seeing just a ton of lists puts you in a really good position to understand. Like, not only what kinds of decks people build, but, like, what they're more likely to build in the mm-hmm. next pool of cards and things like that. Um, and, so, yeah, that that's, I think, going to be the highest grade for my... Well, and, and that's a good segue into the next one. We're talking preparation. Uh, you talk about, you know, when you go into deck building, you kind of adapt before you get to the table. How would you say... How would you rate yourself in preparation? So, preparation is very different during like I need to qualify a season versus right now. Like right mm-hmm. now, my preparation is a D. Uh, mm-hmm. Right now, I'm showing up to the Ultros Cup. I'm showing up to the Summoners Cup. I'm putting most of my free Final Fantasy time into this content, uh, doing this stuff mm-hmm. for you guys. And that's like, I get it. You know, I used to practice a lot more when I wasn't doing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes time, when it's nose to the grindstone time, I'm the guy mm-hmm. who says, you know, like, that's not statistically relevant sample size. I, I love yelling things like that at people. It's just like, I want to play, nerd. yeah, I want like 20 games in this matchup, uh, like against every matchup with the deck I'm thinking of, like minimum mm-hmm. before we like 
are even done discussing it. I'm not even talking about like the one I'm going to play. I'm talking mm-hmm. about like the one we're thinking about play. You know, like I want to just jam games. I want all this data. I we have we like notoriously bust out whiteboards and just like write all kinds of crap on them and mm-hmm. just trying to crunch numbers and we, we Pepe Silva. Yeah, so so it it really fluctuates. I'm not going to even pretend that it's um that well, well, well give, give way, yourself two grades. Go on season and off season. So off season's a D for sure. Okay, uh, on and on season, season? I'm going to give myself a B. There are definitely people who play okay. more than me, but I I make sure I take the time to prepare and practice. So and practice. So with that, practice. so just give yourself a, a the, the the median grade. There's what a C. I guess I you're talking at the whole I guess picture. I just take the C for preparation. Yeah, I yeah. think I, it definitely ebbs and flows. Yes, absolutely, and I think that's very common. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rice, how about you? Uh, it's definitely one of the things I can grow the most with. I'd say, like, um, when I play test, like, I really go for it. I, I take notes on everything. If I'm playing a spicy one-of, I'll, like, put a piece of paper inside the sleeve to be like, what if this card was this card and I drew it now? How nuts is it? And then that determines my one-ofs or my three-ofs or my two-ofs. Wild carding. Um, I love doing that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really good at taking notes. I think your best play testing is done with a notepad with you and, like, yep. Not talking to your opponent, just playing games. Dude, that's uh, my but I also thing think that you've said just now, by the way, I, I want everybody <laughs> I, I, at home to literally take notes that this guy mm-hmm. said take notes. Because <laughs> I have my notebook on the desk here. Like, yes, notes is so important. And you think it's silly. It might sound silly to take notes for a game that you're playing. But if you want to get better, like that is such a take crazy notes. way to internalize your mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say like before Nat, which was my strongest placing of all year, like I played nonstop because I really wanted to do well. And like shout outs to Corey, my local. We played like for eight hours on my kitchen table one day, nonstop, round after round after round, talking about every play, talking about every spicy card we had. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'd say like when my gears are on, I'm like, I'm out there. I'm really ready to go. Um, But also like, I'm stubborn and sometimes I don't prepare at all. And I'm just like, Hey, Oki, what do I play? Hey, McGinty, what do I play? Chris Neal, what's the spiciest fire ice right now? Like, so I, I'd say I could improve. I'd say sometimes I try too hard. So I'd probably, probably say like a C. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, I'm going to follow suit because you know, try, I'm trying to be as honest as possible. I'm like you when there, when, when the stakes are medium, I'll play whatever pile of 50 cards I feel like, but when it's turn when it's season time, especially if like I'm trying to play, oh, it is nonstop theory crafting. It is nonstop tweaking. It is game after game after game of all right. Let's try these numbers. All right. Well, that didn't work. Let's try this. I need to see this more. So let's up this. It is just constant changing on the fly. And again, I am I am one of those people that I will take notes. I have notebooks full of card game notes here in my office, mm-hmm. just because I think. That is so important. And just because, you know, we're going just through a median over the year, I'll definitely give myself a C because on season it's a B and there's always room to prepare more. Um, And off season, don't give a shit, not preparing for nothing, not preparing for anything. Um, And I, and I, I would almost say that's universal unless there's somebody who just stays on that grind and they want to stay sharp year round. Mm -hmm. And there are some people that are like, so Oki yeah. is definitely like that, and that's no, the absolutely. reason that yeah. I look up to him. Is like he's always playing cube, he's always yeah. grinding out rounds, and like another great yeah. b- b- benchmark there for preparation. Oki, yeah. you know the textbook there. Yeah, or like people a. like yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a lot, lot of a uh, room to improve, but I know how to. So I'd say mm-hmm. C or B is fine. Yeah, absolutely. And then the last one, uh, the last category we're going to rate ourselves in. 
Uh, deck selection. Um, this one can be hard, and I'll go ahead and actually I'll start on this one just to round it all out. For me, it, it's weird, right? Um, I like to play what I like to play. But at the end of the day, like I'll have these ideas of decks I want to play, but then like when I stop and I put myself to it, I'll I'll, I'll narrow it down to two decks when I when it all comes down to it, and I can't give myself any higher than a C because there's a reason it's called the Adams Audible. Like I'll okay. select a deck and I may switch right off of it at the very last minute, but to be fair. I could potentially go with B because one of those two decks will be, well, both of them, well, no, 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 let me, let me back that up a little bit. One of those two decks will be what I think will give me the absolute best chance to win. So, but I'll always have that other, like, pet, like, oh, man, I really want to fucking jam this card this weekend. You know what I mean? Yeah. No matter how awful it is. So I'll, I'll bring that deck with me just in case. And I may make the mistake of staying with it. But, like, again, to you know, Reunion is the most recent example. I was going to play this uh, Windwater Fasolia list that was actually fun and did very well in testing. Mm -hmm. Then I got, I was like, what is going to give me the best chance to win? And I just, I was like, no, I'm going to play Woth. And I did, I made top eight. X2 made top eight. Mm -hmm. I think I made the right choice. So, but I have decided on WAF literally like two, I, I decided like 100% decided on WAF like two nights before. And I had to make sure when I left the house that I did not bring that other deck with me mm. because I probably <laughs> would have played it if I had it with me. I believe it. So, that sounds like you. Very much so. All right. So Rice, deck selection. Um, God, that might be my weakest aspect uh so i always value having fun over playing top tier like mm -hmm. i appreciate top tier and if my favorite deck is top tier hell i'll play it like mm -hmm. at nats i played agrius and fire ice and that was like the most fun i've ever had but mm -hmm. uh at reunion i brought mono wind and i knew it was a great deck but i knew it wasn't the deck mm -hmm. so uh i never and i think um there was a choker bros podcast shout out to my boys uh, where Cody said, I deserve a Crystal Cup win or something like that. And then Sam's like, yeah, he's a great player, but I think his deck selection is questionable, and I agreed with him. And uh, I always play what I have fun with, and I think that's that's also a strength, is playing what, what you have fun improves your play better. Sure. But uh, like when Earth Wind was the best deck, I would never play it, because I don't like playing that deck very much at all. So I'd probably say I'm, I'm a C, maybe, on a good day. I could be a D, because like, a lot of times I'll bring a deck and people will be like, why are you playing that? Or like at the mm -hmm. reunion, I sat next to Tawa and he saw I was playing Mono Win. He's like, how is that this weekend? And I was like, why didn't you <laughs> say that to me before the event, Tawa? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'd probably say I'm like a, maybe a C or a D. I always enjoy playing what's fun, but somewhat good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. So, so for me, it's like, Who's uh, who's grading me? <laughs> me, <laughs> me. Yeah. So, so, but yeah. uh, I think I, I, I that my deck selection is like a B, right? Because I I specifically spend a lot of time on my deck selection and normally curate like I'm playing something that isn't exactly what everybody else is playing because I spent so much time using the adaptability to see like what people are doing and what I think. So you know, uh, sometimes I'm playing something to meme. Sometimes I'm playing something to prove a point. Uh, but a lot of times I think that our deck that we choose is because we 
like my favorite way to build and my team's favorite way to build is to look at the cards that people are playing that they're getting the most efficiency and the most value out of and find a way to devalue those cards right Mm -hmm. um because what it does is it takes it doesn't only hurt their strategy but it also takes like kind of the fulcrum of their efficiency and and it just totally messes it up and that messes everything up it has like this really cool ripple effect of like wait all of a sudden diabolos isn't just free or like doesn't mm-hmm. just kill a guy with no side effect or like all of a sudden you know uh i can't play all these these trump blockers everybody's playing all these these little vikings and porums when we were trying to qualify for nats last year and i'm like man we're just gonna play ultros and turn it sideways and there won't be no trump blockers from Woodwater. <laughs> there will be no you know these other things that people are doing and um even like when turbo ice was you know a big scary boogeyman uh, I was playing mono water and people were saying it was like unwinnable and it was like my version of mono water was like, you know, of course I played 50 games against turbo ice, just, you know, a weekend just to make sure that I could do it. So it was like, um, I probably grade myself bias a lot higher than, than other people would grade me, but I think that I'm almost always digging for gold and, uh, oftentimes mm-hmm. if I bring gold to the table, I'm, I'm confident that, you know, it deserves a seat. But uh, probably probably floating between a B and a C. But I'm gonna give myself a B. Other people may disagree with me. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the idea. You gotta be confident in your choices. And that's you right. know, sometimes if you think you're, I mean, but they also too like to to play devil's advocate. And you know, and I think anybody who, like, say someone who's you know, you just oh, straight A's, baby. Mm-hmm. Well, like, what if you have this really neat deck idea and you go defeated the whole day? You know, maybe that idea wasn't as great as you thought it was on paper, or maybe the you're playing against the wrong people, or you know what I mean. That's true. Maybe yeah. people, maybe people had that idea initially, and they're like, "Well, okay, you're you're countering my play. I know the counter to your counterplay." Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's what's so great about this game, right? That there's always there's always that counterplay going on. That's why all this stuff I think goes hand in hand when you're talking about you know deck selection, adaptability, like all this stuff. It's 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 the Captain Planet of things that you know you know that you want to you know, think about when you're going to a tournament, if you're a competitive player, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I, I think, I think everybody has got, and you're, you're always going to grade yourself based on how you feel based on like your track record, how you feel. So well, I think everybody's track record. So I'm just thinking like, okay, well I qualified, you know, when I mm-hmm. qualified for Nats both times, it was on mm-hmm. a completely unique deck of my own. And then it was like, also when Alex qualified and also when Dan qualified, they were on our own, like yep, not exactly. Decks. So it's like obviously exactly. our deck selection worked exactly as well as it needed to. Exactly for our goal last year. So exactly, and that and that's that's what matters. And it, it, think of each competitive season as like a new school year. Just because they were your grades this year doesn't mean they're going to be your grades next year. You know, ne- maybe next year you're you're just in a rut and your adaptability just isn't there, or you pick the wrong deck every time, or you're just... Sounds you're, like a and, great and, year, Chris. Thanks for which, wishing that no, on us. Well, well no, which, uh, which, could also, which could also have an impact on your mental game, because like you could go four tournaments in a row, and you just fucking scrub out every event. Now, now, you're, now you're like, well, why the fuck am I even going now? So then you're just like, I don't care anymore. I'm going to play this and just have fun. And it just, all your grades kind of tumble down with it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think that was really neat. That's why I really wanted to talk about that because I think I think everybody, like you said, John, everybody has their idea of how they are in their head. Mm-hmm. And when you actually, I would, I would, I actually, after the competitive season, I want to revisit this and give ourselves like grades at the end of the year. You know what I mean? Like, see what, you know, like whatever that. our final. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, go ahead. No, <laughs> so whatever our final exam is, that's where we're going to grade ourselves. 
I do like that none of us like just went A A A. Like I think we all picked oh, yeah. only one A. We gave ourselves like one best thing. Oh, uh, I didn't. I didn't oh, give myself didn't, any no more. A's. No I think A's, the highest Chris? I went was B. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Nothing wrong with being a B student, Chris. No, hey, hey, look, it's not the grades you make; it's the hands you shake, sir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's good. I like that. I'm stealing that that's at right. some point. Oh, go ahead. But no, I, I think that was really neat, and I do want to revisit that at the end of the year. Um, so I thought, so with that being said, um, we have a couple more like things we want to talk about this topic. Again, a lot of uh, multiple fun things. Um, last week, and this kind of popped into my head literally after we finished last week's cast, uh, Shane and Miles were talking about a Mount Rushmore for UFS. And I thought that was so fucking neat. Like if we were to look at Final Fantasy trading card game, and I'm talking, granted, there's, there's a lot of routes this can take. Mm-hmm. You can talk about people who are important to the game from a development standpoint, from a from a marketing standpoint, from a playing standpoint. I wanted to kind of focus this down into players. If we were to put, and even and even since then it was still, we're like, well, let's add a fifth face on this mountain, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if we were to put, and you know, I want to say I want to do five, but we'll do four and one honorable mention, <laughs> just to keep it official. Our official, unofficial Mount Rushmore, right? Quick, quick. Um, let me go first. Quick. Yeah, <laughs> no, you can. Let everyone else copy me. Quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because I feel like, and I'm, I'll, I'll let you rattle them off, because I feel like three of the four were all like, yeah, we feel like these have to be on. We're also specifically talking about players. Mm-hmm. What's well, funny is, you know, we say them to each other, and we all have, like, the first three, like, literally in almost the same order. Um, yeah. Yeah, and go ahead and rattle them off, man. So, so uh, should I just say all four of mine? I'm going to say my four. Yeah, go ahead, because I'm pretty sure that's very similar. Yeah, so um, I think Okamoto is on my Mount Rushmore. Uh, not only mm-hmm. would his face look great on Mount Rushmore. It's true. Uh, I've seen, actually, like a Photoshopped picture of his face on Mount Rushmore, and I'm into it. So I think that that could be. Um, <laughs> so I wonder, can, after this cast or when we post the link up, can we have can we make a Photoshop a Mount Rushmore with like the, with like four faces on it? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll put someone on the case. Someone will be on the Let's case. Do it. Um, and then I think uh, Alex Hancock was a you know I want to say God, it's yep. weird to say former world champion, but he is a former world champion. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, just uh, content wise, and mm-hmm. uh, as an ambassador for the game, just is, mm-hmm. is way up there for me. Uh, JFB, yep. mm-hmm. uh, Joshua Freeman Birch, of course, same thing. Kind of like the grandfather of like ninety percent of <laughs> the meta most years or most yeah. you know most seasons. Um, mm-hmm. Like the the wind water guru started really defining like uh, what we thought that was good about those decks, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Just incredible deck builder, really good at. Uh, Again, like community content creation, he has a wonderful content for free on his Patreon. A mm-hmm. really nice guy, and does a lot to grow the game as well. Um, and then for my fourth, I think I would say Chris Matiski from Australia. Um, mm-hmm. He had some really, really important, like, and still does. He's very important when it comes to rulings for this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also has a lot of really creative deck builds and things that mm-hmm. you know, he created. Vice Kings, things like mm-hmm. that. Um, he's made some awesome archetypes, but. Th- specifically i have him on there for his rulings videos and for his rulings questions whenever they mm-hmm. give us cards we get the full set of spoilers he's the guy who has like 10 twitter questions out to kageyama already and it's like all right yep. let's get these clarifications and you know as a judge like that is so useful because i want all that information but i'm not necessarily like the guy going out of my way to get it um i don't necessarily think of all the questions and all the interactions it's amazing mm-hmm. to me how he kind of like highlights all the problems that these cards could potentially have immediately 
<laughs> like yep. like you know uh, who's who watches the watchman type situation like who who finds rulings that he doesn't know like just him mm-hmm. really he finds his own rulings he doesn't understand so uh, i think he did a lot of work for that kind of stuff and i feel bad because i just talked a lot more about the other three people and less about okamoto besides how good his face would look on the mountain but i think that uh, I mean, Oki who, is who needs a, another reason than that right he's an excellent excellent player probably one of the best um you know people don't like saying the best of anything but well, he's certainly, well, no, he's i think he's the best north american player for sure Right. Um, well, he's and he's the ambassador, right? He when you think of Final Fantasy trading card game in North America, Okimoto is the the name that is associated with the game in oh, North yeah. America. Household name, super like nice guy, carries that title and that position really well, mm-hmm. um, and cares so much about cares the game. a lot, cares a lot, puts yeah. a lot of his own time and money into it. So agree. Um, but Agreed. I think the game wouldn't be where it is uh, competitively, socially, or you know, like uh, for as far as like knowledge that we have of the game would be lacking if it weren't for yep. these four people. So that's where I. Yep. And and even when you talk about Alex Hancock, you know, the Crystal Tower podcast, you know, kind of oh, one yeah. of the OG podcasts inspired, you know, uh, out me, there for sure. Um, yeah. I don't know about you guys because sure. obviously I was listening to you guys and them at the same time, but um, mm-hmm. like I was like, man, more people need to be doing this. You know. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Rice, any deviation from that? What do you? Oh nah, man, I I have to go with two of my great friends, both Oki and JFB. Like you said, mm-hmm. the game wouldn't be anywhere without those guys. I mm-hmm. think Alex is definitely another one because yep. not only insane at the game, he's involved in almost all the events or being a mm-hmm. judge. Mm-hmm. Very, he's very good at hashtag growing the game. Mm-hmm. And I think Alex could take any deck and write basically an essay on it and it would be five out of five stars like his content is Mm -hmm. always great i love his card reviews and he's a great human being so he's definitely up there with them too Mm -hmm. uh i could talk about jfb and oki forever but i won't obviously we all know Mm-hmm. Um, I, my fourth would probably be Duncan slash Kaka because mm-hmm. he he's always been insane. He's always been at Worlds. He's basically treated as a god over there. I remember when Kurosawa won the first one of the first things he said is he finally beat Kaka, mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, it's like that over there, huh? And I think like anytime mm-hmm. I see pictures of a Japanese event, I'm like, is Duncan there or Kaka there? Like I I want to see what he's playing. I want to know what deck he's on, and I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in terms of like moving the ball that is the meta, he is always at the top too. Because I'll tell you what, people would not be playing six CP Shantou and Unsaganashi right now if it wasn't for him. I don't think. No, I agree. I, I agree. Think, I think, I locals think, they would be, but yeah, otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Shameless plug, dude. We had, uh, but we had yeah. so much six CP Shantou running around like all month. And I was like, this is so wild. Where did this card come from? Like, where has this been? <laughs> and then he took it to Worlds, and I was like, yeah, I can totally see it because it's been having a lot of success against the things he wanted to counter: Wind, Water, and Waff. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I think in terms of getting a worldwide uh, Mount Rushmore slash Hall of Fame, he's up there for me in terms of play. But like. I could really go on forever with my number four. Like I know everybody, and yeah. So yeah. I'm I'm gonna go Kaka just to try and sp- spread the wealth. It's hard, sure. man. It's hard to. Like, it, oh, it's not that so I hard. Seven hundred people who deserve to be on this mountain. You know? Right. We we just just carve the whole fucking mountain range, right? Well, and and to kind of deviate <laughs> on mine. A mountain range, and every peak is just a face. <laughs> like, holy shit. Well, and, and because mine's a little bit different, right? Like, I'll, I think every single one of those names that you guys mentioned are 100% worth being on there. And then little old me playing it safe, I'm like, well, I have to have the three world champions on there. So I have to have Toby and Kurosawa on there. Because, I mean, 
you know, you, you kind of look, you know, we talked about a little bit earlier how Toby kind of like defined a lot of decks early on. Like, I mean, we're talking a lot of mono ice stuff was just was the way he was doing it. And that wow. became accepted. And a lot of what he did is still accepted now. Um, and obviously, Kurosawa just being the most recent world champion, just watching him play Rampair, watching him play, you know, this, this wind water deck that, I mean, was the team decks, like just made those things sing, man. And just again, uh, just another great player in his own right. And and that's then the fourth one. It has to be, you know, again, JFB, Oki, Matiski. There's uh, it, there's just so many good names that belong on this mountain range that all have had a huge just impact on the game. And I'm talking, I mean, this specifically from players because if we went outside the scope of players, I mean, I feel like we would all universally have to put like Kagiyama as the yeah, fourth name, right? I mean, obviously, like every but, employee <laughs> of Hobby Japan. Right. But I think if we're sticking with players, like I, I think, you know, four is hard, but I think a lot of the names we, you know, Alex Hancock says pr- pretty, pretty universal across JFB, pretty uni- universal across because of what they've done for the game. And like you said, as new stuff comes out, they're the ones deep in the trenches, figuring out interactions, solving how these things work. Um, and because if, if without them solving stuff, how do we how 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 do we know what gold to dig for? How do we know what's gold and what isn't? Right? <laughs> yeah. So you know, I mean, it, it, this was kind of a loaded question, but I just I was thinking about oh, that after I, I was asked. asking everyone I knew. I was like, "What what's your Mount Rushmore? What's your Mount Rushmore? What's yeah. your Mount Rushmore?" <laughs> it's a fun question, I think. And and tell us what's your Mount Rushmore? Yeah, that, that's yeah. that's another reason I wanted to pick these main topics. Like, how would you rate yourself? What is your uh, Mount Rushmore? And also, just to kind of wrap things up because we've been kind of rambling on it, but not rambling. This has been fun. We're going to talk if there was, and we'll expand onto this into a later cast, but we're each going to pick one card. One card. If there was a Final Fantasy trading card Hall of Fame for cards, like cards that have been definitive, um, and we could pick one to put in, in the inaugural class, what would it be? And, uh, Rice, since you're the guest, I'm going to start with you one more time. Oh, man. One My, card one, that would one be. One card in, Hall yes. of Fame? Yep, that, that would be in the inaugural class. What card would you vote in to all, the Final all, Fantasy? All opuses? Oh, all, yeah, everything that's available now. Uh, yeah. I want to go with a bit of a hot take, but I uh-huh. think Nail is up there as a card that reinvented an element. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so good at everything it does. It draws cards, it breaks backups, it blows things up, it swings in for damage. It basically reinvented fire. Mm-hmm. It's almost in every single fire deck, like uh, and almost so, every fire X deck too. Yeah, yeah, and like fire demands nail now because it's so good. And oh, uh, yeah. I would like to go off the beaten path a little bit. So yeah, I I pick nail. Nail's my vote. I'm gonna let you finish. I'm gonna let you finish. But Valfour is the best card of all time. Oh yeah, well de- yeah. I know. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just wanted, <laughs> just wanted to Kanye real fast. Uh, Valfour goes into my hall of fame. Though. This is like, I can't even. Mm-hmm. It has to be in there before anything else. Then we can start worrying about who else gets in the hall. Let's go non-starter cards, okay? What? It's a Hall of Fame. Relevant <laughs> for 10 sets. Still the best summon in the game. Foul 4. Yeah. That's fair. And my pick would actually be Alua. Yeah, um, I think Alua's yeah, just sure. been insane from Jump yeah. Street. And all of these cards, right? Like, even Nail. Like, if you see a fire, if you see a deck with red cards and you don't see Nail, you're like, what the fuck? If you see... If you see any like blue-green or any deck with Yuna that's Valifor's not in there, that's not mono-blue... You're like, what the f-? And if you see any deck with purple cards that's not running a Lua, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, Valfour has a lot of trophies under its belt. 
Yeah, Valafor has a lot of trophies under his belt. Uh, Lua, a lot of trophies under their belt. Yeah. Nail is Nail being just kind of the newcomer to the party, not a whole lot under her belt yet. But again, I agree with Rice on all of his points. It's a card that it, it, it the 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 element of fire demands Nail in the list. And now, mm-hmm. and that especially now with a lot of decks running twenty eight to thirty forwards, Nail thrives in those kinds of decks. Mm-hmm. And just Nail can just win you a game out of nowhere. Uh, Valafor just wins you a game from the moment it gets played and everything that gets played after it just falls into place. Mm-hmm. Um, Alua is a card that when you're, a po- when you're at three damage and your opponent plays a couple forwards and the last one they play is Alua or anywhere, and Alua's anywhere in that equation, you're probably just dead. In multiple games that we played today in our Coffee and Bullshit, I was at three mm-hmm. damage and I had to think about losing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm So it's die. like... Yeah, so and that's why Alu is my pick. And I, I want to do this more often. So our first three cards in the RVA Returners Final Fantasy Final Fantasy Trading Card Hall of Fame are Nail, Valafor, and Alua. So that's cl- the first class of, uh, of 2020. So buy now. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. There's so many. That's, a, that's another question that could literally go on forever. Right? Like Diabolos is up there because every wind deck plays it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Lua was really good one. Stola is probably up there because she just changed what Shantoto does. Like she, yeah. she, uh, Shantoto is up there. Let's, I mean, let's, let's talk, talk about, about Shantoto. <laughs> I removed your cards from the game well in advance, and you took it from me. I prepared the CP well in advance. <laughs> Dude, so yeah, like there's a lot there. There's a lot to take in, and I, and I, I really wanted to cover all of these in the same cast because a they get you thinking, you know, especially rating yourself with competitive season right around the corner um, with a new set coming up, who to look for to kind of get the ball rolling with what's going to be good. Because you know good and goddamn well that all of these guys, when, when Opus 11 comes out, they're going to they're be deep in the tank. I mean, deep in the fucking they're tank. They're going to be in like the, uh, the uh, what is it, sensory deprivation tank. Dude, That's absolutely. It'll just be cards. Absolutely. They'll just be in a bed in a sea of cards floating all around them. Just the ideas right. sinking in. That's right. That's just how they do it. And then, you know, the Hall of Fame cards. Like, these are cards that I feel like until they're banned or rotated away, if you see the color that they're in, you you need to be you need to know that it's there. Like if there's if you see if you see wind cards and a water card behind it, or if you see you know green cards now with the new Yuna, you need to like expect Valafor to be coming down the pipe right behind it. And obviously purple cards with the Lua, I think it's a I think we can all agree that if you're playing purple cards without a Lua, you're just you you just you you don't have them. Yeah. Right. Or you're or you're brand new and you don't you've never seen that card before. Um, and Nail's another one. Nail's one that you think is average until you play her the first time, and you're like, oh, that card's insane. And then I think after after that initial, because I know when we first spoiled her, I was like, I don't know, this card seems okay. But then when I played her the first time, I was like, oh, this card's fucking insane. Yeah, oh, turns oh. out. We, we actually um, gave it a pretty low rating, and then we came yeah. back on the next cast, and we were like, so we yep, were, we're wrong. wrong. <laughs> Dead-ass wrong. Absolutely. Chocobos and Nail, man, those were the ones that we were like, oops. Yep, Absolutely. Well, with that being said, boys, I'm spent. This was a this was a lot of fun. I'm really glad we got to have Rice on for the first time. Yeah, dude, it's overdue. I mean, he was giving it to me at, uh, at Reunion. He's like, well, I haven't <laughs> been on the cast yet. I was like, all right. Man. <laughs> I've been on the Indie Archfiends podcast twice, and I haven't been Holy on Holy shit. Yeah, I said, how many times did you got lost in the mail? <laughs> Let's Rough. talk about podcasts. 
Sorry. I'll try and give myself a reason to be on the podcast this year. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. And um, I, I blame myself more than anybody else. I'll take the heat you know on what? this one. I also blame Chris. So, yeah, I blame you. Should. I also blame you myself. Yeah, and we need, we need to get Breakfast Club started back up. You know, maybe maybe Rice, if you're ever feeling froggy, you can join us for coffee and bullshit one day. You know, I we'll might just have to do that. You're more than welcome. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, speaking of joining us, you know, we'll, we'll end on this. I know we, you know, we've said it before on other casts. Like if you want to be on the podcast, all you have to do is ask. And we're not like just saying, Oh, just ask. Like we're dead serious. If you want to be on the podcast, message myself, message John. Um, and just let me know. You try to give me, you know, at least, at least two weeks. So that way we can schedule, we can make sure, you know, make sure you're available, make sure I'm available, you know, make sure there's no events coming up. Um, if you message one of us now, we can get you in two weeks from that time. You know, it'll be a first come, first serve. And we just, anybody is welcome. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be a Matt Rice. You don't have to be a well-known entity in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're just trying to highlight everybody, you know? So really, yeah. if you you want to come on, you want to talk, you think you have a fun topic, or even yeah. you just, oh, you've absolutely. always wanted to be a guest, like, please, please, please. We hear all the time um, that people, oh, I, I wish I could come on. Like, well, we're not, you know, you're the only yeah, one standing in your way. Just let us know. Yeah, and I know some people have messaged us in the past, and you know it's just been times where it just didn't work out. Yeah, message us again. <laughs> we're, we're actually please nag. Yeah, please nag the shit out of us, please. Like Brian Lou was a perfect example. He he had been talking to me for a while to get on the cast, and it was always like, okay, I'll get you on, but then like I'd be gone, or something would happen, or we'd have another topic lined up, or and then we finally got him on because I what we weren't going to like let this next episode go without having him on there. So yeah, we're busy. We're you know, not trying and, to ignore anybody. It just you know, exactly. Exactly. So if you legitimately want to be on the podcast, you have something fun to talk about, or you just want to highlight your scene, by all fucking means, come on board. Come on. Come on now. That's right. Step in the pool. The water's just fine. They don't bite, I swear. It's true. Well, we don't bite hard. Often. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I bite often. <laughs> just just the right... Uh, little nibbles. Just a little... That's right. Little, <laughs> call me little, little Nibbles. I call them Little Nibs. That's, that's my rap name, Little Nibs. There you go. And Chris, unless you have a storybook uh, to read tonight. Oh, yes. Uh, so for Mr. Alex Scott, <laughs> I would love to read an excerpt from from the Orson Scott card uh, classic Ender's Game. <clears throat> Chapter 6, The Giant's Drink. We've had our disappointments in the past, hanging on for years, hoping they'll put through, they'll pull through, and then they don't. Nice thing about Ender, he's determined to ice within the first six months. Oh? Don't you see what's going on here? He's stuck at the giant's drink in the mind game. Is the boy suicidal? You never mentioned it. Everybody gets the giant sometime, but Ender won't leave it alone. Like Penuel. Everybody looks looks like Penuel at one time or another, but he's the only one who killed himself, and I don't think it had anything to do with the giant's drink. You're betting my life on that? And look what he's done with his lunch his launch group. Wasn't his fault, you know. I don't care, his fault or not. He's poisoning that group. Good night, everybody. Thanks Good for tuning everybody. In. Night night. <laughs> hey everybody, thanks for listening once again to the RVA Returners Podcast. If you like this content and you want to hear more, check us out on YouTube at RVA Returners. And make sure you follow us on SoundCloud and check us out on Google Play and iTunes. Hey, what's going on? It's just you and me now.
It's the end of the podcast. The little outro thing played that we really need to update, and you might have already clicked away, or maybe you're used to the Easter eggs at the end, but I forgot to clip an Easter egg this week, so instead you just get me admitting that I messed up clipping an Easter egg.